When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Two strikers, Michael Laudrup, and you need a World Cup medal. Those are half hopes, three things. Hey, here we go. All right. <clears throat> Uh, what's going on, everybody? This is the Talking Tactics Podcast, episode number 72. I'm Daniel Taluk. Look, it's half up, it's half up. This is Double H, man. I'm that, I'm, I'm that dude. I'm that Nigerian guy. I'm, I'm, just, I'm just a black man trying to survive. Carl, welcome back. Welcome back. Hello, welcome. everyone. Hey, yo, we do you. How you day? Carl, how you day? How you day? How you day? It's all right. I had to go to Washington, and then I had to go meet Prince William, and then I had to go do some comedy. So that's why I've been away. Tell, sorry, tell Prince William that he, he, he still owes me. I've already met him. But when you meet him again, tell him that he owes me. He owes me. We have a little thing that we're doing on the side. So. I'll be sure I tell him that. You can follow us on Twitter at Talking Tactics, Facebook, SoundCloud. Um, you can leave iTunes reviews. We do have an iTunes review this week now that uh, I mention it. There's a four star one that I kind of. No, 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 no. I have no time for that. Tell <laughs> <laughs> the guy to re it and give it five, so then we'll reread it out. I mean, I kind of want to read it because I feel like a four-star review is an honest review. I don't care. You know? Uh, this is from Jamie Pfeiffer. I look forward to this podcast each week. I have listened to nearly every Man United rant cast. So when rant co-host Paul tweeted that he was visiting Talking Tactics to discuss World Cup's past and future, I was excited to hear the shows. They were great. More important, found a new podcast. I'm happy I did. The hosts know loads about football, but they also know how to keep me laughing while I learn. That is my favorite kind of podcast. So thank you, Jamie, for your five-star review. Um, if you haven't, the link will be in the description, kind of the easiest way possible to do that. Shout out to Paul for joining us last week in, in Carlstead. It's always a good time when we can get Paul on. Share the podcast. We grow with your help, with your support. So that would be great if you could yes. like, retweet. You guys know what to do in the social media age. I believe this week we are in association with these football times, um, a very good football magazine. Uh, who released their new issue. It's about Brazil, either last week or the week before. So shout out to these football times. Go follow them. So yeah, there's three things I can think of immediately that we should probably talk about. We have Tottenham versus Liverpool. We have United and then Enya Luko. So where do you guys want to go? I want to start with the game of the weekend, which is Tottenham versus Liverpool. How often do we have to come in here and say Klopp doesn't know what he's doing defensively? Or Klopp hasn't spent in the transfer window, so they have no defenders and they have to play Matip. What's his game? Alberto Moreno and yep. Dejan Lovren. Yep. Like, how, how many times do we have to come in here and say, why did you let Sacco go to Crystal Palace? How many times do we have to say you need a defensive midfielder? Like, it's getting annoying at this point. 
But uh, if you guys want to talk about it, go for it. So uh, Tom Tom Usher, who uh, is a freelance writer and an Arsenal fan, says he was astonished by how Liverpool have become the new Banter Kings, taking the title away from Arsenal. This was a real Groundhog Day. Like there, there was a point in time where the great thing about that game was just how well drilled and how good Tottenham Hotspur looked. Before the second goal, you could see it coming. You could see that second goal coming. The moment Harry Kane gets that ball and is turned Lovren, you can see he's going to play it around to Son and Son's going to score. It says a lot about how Pochettino has turned this Spurs side. I mean, when, Spur- when Pochettino took over at Spurs, they finished three points off Everton and were in sixth place. And now there are times where you watch this on Tottenham Hotspur side and you're like, yeah, they're going to they're gonna win. They're going to rock up and they're going to win. They're not going to they're not going to be Spursy or whatever. They're going to do. Uh, Raj Baines, who's also been on this podcast, said Tottenham did to Liverpool what Liverpool used to do to Tottenham before Pochettino turned up. Uh, and it was you know Lovren looked punch drunk. Deli Ali was disciplined in a deeper role. The back three was great. Hugo Lloris was fantastic. And then Liverpool were were awful. And I think the you know yeah we can laugh and mock and laugh Dejan Lovren, but let's bear in mind Lovren. As said, he takes seven painkillers to play a game of football. And uh, people have been listening to me on this podcast about what I say. If a player ever says they're on painkillers or they're on injections, they're taking years off their career. If Lovren's taking seven painkillers to get through a game of football, you should be knowing in that football pitch, regardless of how good he is. The only excuse for a player to be, to be taking seven painkillers to play a game of football is if it's a one-off game in a Champions League knockout round and that guy is their captain or their top scorer or like, the linchpin of that team. Dejan Lovren is comfortably the worst centre-back in Liverpool system and he is <laughs> taking... so bad. Class Class I feel eight. bad for him. Class I feel eight. bad for him. Like, it's not... He's been through a lot, right? He's been injured. He had to deal with that very, very distressing... Oh, you're being uh, so burglary. nice. You, he had to deal with that very uh, distressing burglary attempt in his house where they, like, pumped in sleeping gas to try and knock him out when he was there uh he's playing in a liverpool side where you know it's not his fault that he's he's a defensive partners change every single week but my god i've never that was poor that was one of the worst center back performances i've seen have hope i know you have like class c class b class a in the brick academy but there must be a level above a we can put him in not not at the moment i mean the highest level is when you become an alumni so that's when you retire and you become an honorary lifetime member of the Brick Academy. So that's like, <laughs> that's like, yeah, yeah, Yakubu, Stefan Givash, Taibi, people are like those. But um, the issue is with Klopp. You see, this is what really annoys me. Mm. And it's about the manager's ego. Klopp knows deep down he made a mistake and he doesn't want to admit it. The mistake he made was ousting Sako and putting his supports behind Lovren. And he will do everything in his power to not admit that he made a mistake in choosing Lovren over Sacco. Everybody knows it's a mistake. Ask to ask any Liverpool fan with any sense, they will say, yeah, that was a huge mistake, letting Sacco go for Lovren. But because he's got such a huge ego, he's like, no, I've supported Lovren and I will make sure that I am right behind him. Because again, you have to admit, the very fact that you sobbed him off in the first half shows that he was an issue. Because he said in the post that, oh no, I don't want to single out any players Everybody play, played badly. Even Matip had a bad game. But why didn't you take off Matip then? You took off Lovren because he was... It was a bad performance team-wise. But he, in particular, was making particular individual performances. And Sako, at 
is still twice the defender Lovren is at 120. Oh, <laughs> but isn't isn't the main point here that Deja Lovren is having a bad game? We've known for at least the last four transfer windows that Klopp should be buying at, at least a central defender, if not another defensive midfielder to add a little bit more steel in there because Emre Chan isn't really um, some type of Kante type of player, right? So he's not going to be – or even Matic. He's not that kind of player. But then they spent $40 million on Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain. So Reminder, Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain was available on a free at the end of – will be available on a free at the end of the season. If you waited, you could have gotten him for a free. They, they spent $40 million on Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain instead of spending that money on a DM or a quality center back. Now, obviously, you can argue that $40 million isn't isn't what it used to be. But surely you can find a better piece for your team than – putting Emery Chan at right back. I even forget the, the kind of configuration that he went to, but surely that should be an alarm bell. Something's not right in, the, in either, what's it called, the Fenway Sports Group, how, how they're doing their transfer business, or Jurgen Klopp has just lost the plot defensively. Well, it's- I don't know if he said lost the plot because I watched the game with Kev Byrne uh, and he pointed out Jurgen Klopp's always been poor at defending. Uh, he's always been vulnerable to defending, shall we say. And this is why Klopp very rarely wins cup finals. He can't set up his team to do the thing that guys like Rafa Benitez and Jose Mourinho can do, which is basically, I'm going to lock you out. Like, he's like, Klopp can't apply a low block. It's a remarkable Liverpool are playing with that high line. Like you, you're, If your two centre-backs are Joe Matip and Dejan Lovren, why are you playing a high defensive line? If your high defensive line can be exploited by John Joe Shelby, why on earth are you playing it again against a guy like Christian Eriksen? They made Harry Kane look rapid. You know what I mean? Like they, yeah. they, they made Harry Kane look like he like his pace was like 97 on FIFA. <laughs> like yeah. that that should not be happening because Harry Kane, he's a lot of things, but fast isn't one of them. It it makes no sense. Yeah. Well, no, actually it makes a lot of sense. Like you need to buy better defenders. It's pretty much that simple. And uh, like Virgil van Dijk isn't gonna be the solution. They spent all summer holding out, trying to get Virgil van Dijk, expecting him to be the, the solution, and they didn't get him. And then they didn't. And then now they're absolutely buggered. Here's the thing about Liverpool's defense right now. So they they went, we want Virgil van Dijk, and they were pushing 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 and they were pushing, and maybe they tried tapping up and whatever, and they couldn't buy him. And they went, all right, we won't buy anyone. And you're going, that's ridiculous. And on top of that, you've got this issue of. The left-back scenario. So you need a left-back. You need a left-back. You need a left-back. You don't buy a left-back because what? You're gonna Because Joel Gomez is coming back and you're going to try him there and you're going to try turning Moreno into someone good. And then once Liverpool qualify for the Champions League, we find out that Nathaniel Klein's injured until January. Klein was, was injured and had a long-term injury and he needed backup at right-back position. But he hasn't bought anyone right now. It's beyond stupidity and bordering on malice. Like, no, no, man. Let's let's praise sports. I think we we need to praise Tottenham. Like Liverpool are a, are a joke, man. We should we should, we should focus <laughs> on Tottenham. Let's just say Tottenham very quickly. A few things, three quick things. First thing, Harry Kane still isn't world class yet. He didn't score against Real Madrid. Second point, Tottenham have a zero percent chance of winning the the, the Premier League. Third, third point, look, man. Let's give Pochettino some credit. And he did it in front of Maradona. He's a better coach than Pep, cause Pep has amazing players. Whether he's doing this with with road men and pretty good players. You've got to, you know, you've got to give a shout out to Pochettino for being one of the best coaches in the world right now. So, does it kind of feel like Spurs are going to be second best again? 
they have no chance of winning the, the Premier League. Is, so people say, oh my gosh, could they be? No, no, they have no no chance. I think it's unfair to, to say Spurs are going to be the second best team in the country. Like if, you, if you really, if you look at the stats and you look at the development of this team, you bear in mind that Harry Kane scored three goals before the last World Cup and now he's a Ballon d'Or nominee. Like, this is a rapid turnaround. You know, bear in mind that four, four or five years ago, Nathan Chadley was playing in centre midfield and Adebayor was saluting Tim Sherwood. This is a tremendous achievement from Mario Potticino. It's, mm. Let's look at the players that Tottenham were missing against Liverpool this weekend. There was no Moussa Dembele. There was no Victor Dembele. Wanyama. There was no, there was no Danny Rose. There was no Eric Dyer. Like this, when the, when the team lineup came out, we were very confused. This is, this is the remarkable thing about Tottenham right now. We've had two games, the Real Madrid game and the Liverpool game, where the lineup gets announced. Everyone's going, what is that? What is he trying to do? He's going to get absolutely pumped. And then they go out and they, could, they possibly could have won that Real Madrid game. And they've absolutely dismantled the Liverpool side. It's about time we start discussing Pochettino as one of the best managers in the world. Well, you say that you know Spurs can't win the league, have hope. Is, is it that Pochettino has maxed out what this Spurs 11 or at least this Spurs squad can do? Winning the title isn't in Spurs' hands as such because there are forces outside of Pochettino's control such as Manchester City spending a lot of money, Manchester United spending a lot of money, Chelsea being Chelsea, etc., that make it so the league is outside of their kind of purview to win. Saying that, he still has maximized what the Spurs 11 can do. So he deserves praise that way. But to say they, they are capable of winning the league, I think is going a bit too far in that, you know, Manchester City look rampant and there's nothing Spurs can do about that. They can be yeah. as good as they are, but it doesn't mean that they'll necessarily win the league. When people say Tottenham Hotspur aren't going to win the league, you say, you know, they shouldn't have any right to be. Like Someone worked out a, long, a couple of years ago that the greatest barometer of where a team should finish is their wage bill. So generally speaking, a team that spends more on player wages finishes higher than a team. As a team spending 100, on average 100 grand a week on, a player, on player wages will finish higher than a team spending 50 grand a week on player wages, right? So Liverpool have maybe twice the wage bill of Tottenham Hotspur and Tottenham absolutely played him off the park. There was a point in between Tottenham being 2-0 up and before Salah's goal where it looked like Tottenham would score two goals back-to-back. It looked like there was, a, there was a small point where Liverpool were punch drunk and everything was clicking and you're going, this could be a 4-5-0. or five nil. Credit to Salah and credit to Coutinho um, for, for fighting a good fight. Salah, at the start of the season, I picked Salah to be the signing of the season. And I think he's going to end up being Liverpool's best player this season. Uh, he gets, he's got that Cavani thing where he gets into amazing goal-scoring positions and he finishes an average amount of them. I think uh, you're so, forgetting Mane. Oh, I think, I think well, Mane's going to keep getting injured. He's injured and he's got, he's got a red... Well, he, he's injured right now and he was suspended. And I really think... I think Salah's going to do it. I think Salah will probably end up being their main man. No, no, look, I mean, I, I think based off injury... Yeah, like if Mane is fully faced 100%, he's still Liverpool's best player. But based off injury, then I think it's going to go down to Salah. Like Coutinho is like, bro, man, like where's, where's the, the, the first flight to Catalonia? I'm looking around yeah, and I'm seeing is... a clown called Dejan and another clown called, <laughs> um, what's, what, what's it called? What's it called? Is it Bogdan or something? I'm like, mate, what the, what the hell is this? It, so... it looks more and more ridiculous 
that Liverpool didn't let Coutinho go. Coutinho's not going to be that expensive ever again. Well, maybe not ever again. Coutinho will not be that expensive next season. Yeah. If Barcelona go and buy Coutinho after the World Cup, he's, they're not going to get 140, 150 million because Liverpool aren't going to have the same season they had last season. And Philip Coutinho won't be the linchpin of that Liverpool side in the same way he was last season. So, it's, it, well, also, it's, it's not that. It's also that Barcelona already spent a lot of money to get Usman Dembele from Dortmund. So it's not like Liverpool can exactly. say, it, it's, it's, it's not like Liverpool can say, hey, we know you have the Neymar money still, you know? So the, the price mm-hmm. might have to reduce because the market's not going to be as inflated. I mean, you can argue that the, it kind of carries over, but in, mm. in, the, in the moment, the, the market might not feel as if he's worth that much. But I have one last question before we get to United. Do you guys buy into that Spurs need a trophy in order to validate what Pochettino's done, or is him just doing it good enough? Like, do they need do they need an <laughs> FA Cup? Do they need a League Cup? Of course they do. Let's let's get a trophy first. Let's at least get one trophy in the cabinet first. Then it can build upon it. But there is at least a trophy. There are four teams in this country that have more money than Tunnel Hotspur. Four, okay. five, five. There are five, maybe six. Like Everton's wage bill has dramatically inflated. Yeah, I was thinking like Everton last, spent a lot of money the and they and they got that. I think Usmanov is a part of their board now, isn't it? Yeah, they're spending. So. Well, Everton spent uh paying Wayne Rooney eight million a year, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> maybe. Wayne wow. Rooney was a good life, maybe? you know. And like that's 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 a problem now. So if you do your football manager simulations or your FIFA eighteen simulations, this Tottenham Hotspur side probably isn't going to win a trophy. Mm. But that doesn't mean we should not. You know, that doesn't mean five years from now we shouldn't talk about this Tom Hotspur team in glowing words. Because let's think about it now. It, like, let's take a play like Harry Winks. Harry Winks is a 21-year-old kid. This week he went toe-to-toe with Tony Cruz and Luka Modric and didn't shame himself. He had a greater pass than accuracy than both of those guys. And then he absolutely played England's possible kind of captain off the park. So... This is, you know, Harry Winks is the type of player where if he was playing for any other manager, if he was at a Chelsea or if he was at Manchester United, he would have been loaned out and would have probably dwindled at maybe a championship side or a Dutch side. Or if he was at Arsenal, he probably would have had a very good six months and then would have been ruined because Wenger can't take place to the next level anymore. Um, if you just look at how many quality English players Pochettino has sculpted and improved and got them playing to levels that we didn't think possible. Pochettino could secretly end up being the best England manager just from what he's doing at Spurs. Uh, easy, 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 easy. I'm not. No, no. Easy. I'm not saying he's gonna. I'm not saying he's gonna I be. It, I get it. I get it. Daniel understands what I'm saying in terms of who you. is making England play good football right now. Who's making England national team play good football? It's Pochettino because he's gone. I've given you Carl Walker. I've given you Danny Rose. I'm giving you Deli Ali. I'm giving you Harry Winks. I'm giving you Harry Kane. There's a very there's a different psychological thing of wearing the England jersey, the England fans, and playing internationally that no manager in the world can contend with. So even if you put Pochettino as England man manager, I'm not saying that the best England internationals right now are all where they are right now because of Mario Pochettino, and for that he should be credited. Sterling, he's getting there, and I'm one of the biggest Sterling critics, but Sterling. I'm one, of the, I'm one of the biggest thing defenders, and I'm telling you, he's getting there. So, have hope. I, I guess, I mean, we Carl's a United fan, so we could start with him, but you're a, a Mourinho fan. So, what's, what's up, man? Huddersfield? Look, um, Uncle Mo. Let's talk about Uncle Mo. Let's, let's just have a discussion about Uncle Mourinho. 
Phil Jones, that's injury killed United. It killed him. I mean, once he was injured, then I think that just unsettled everything. And what's happening here is that Mourinho, and this is was going back to a few of the other matches that's made, this United team can be a really exciting United team. And you're forcing them to play in a way in every single game that they don't have to. The way in which you have them set up is very good for particular games, but there are instances in which take off the shackles, let them loose, because between Martial, Rashford, and Lukaku, you can tear that up. You know, you can tear that up, but you can't tear that up if you don't really allow them to really free themselves like the Phoenix. The hardest goalkeeper in the post-match said it very plainly. He goes, uh, we, we spent all week going into this and we realised that if we work the, pr- the press and we we shackle Lukaku and we don't give Mata or Mkhitaryan any space, then we you know we have a chance. And that was that. Because what's happened is, so when all the Man United players are fit, you've got Pogba pulling the strings in the middle and then you've got Mkhitaryan as your 10 who is responsible for taking over the entire final third. Like, the, when United won those 4-0 sprees, that was because Mkhitaryan was creating four or five chances per game and maybe getting an assist. And Mkhitaryan's massively gone off the boil because now Pogba's injured. It is solely up to Mkhitaryan to create anything in that final third. And he's not dealing with the pressure. He looks absolutely knackered. So he looked very, very poor against Benfica. He was completely off the pace against Liverpool. And then he got dropped for this game against Huddersfield. Like, Mourinho very much doesn't want to play Martial and and, uh, Rashford on the left and right outside Lukaku because he prefers to have, like, a Mata or a Mkhitaryan who can tuck inside and work as another 10. And what that um, basically take care of his entire final third. Because as we said before... Marina doesn't coach the final third. He just buys very expensive people and go, you figure it out. And this is the problem. When you compare how Manchester United attack to how Manchester City attack or how Tottenham Hotspur attack or how on a good day when Mane's there, how Liverpool attack, it's so plodding. I don't think I would say this, but Manchester United miss Fellaini as well. Because when Fellaini's there, at least there's a physical... (laughs) Hey, don't laugh, don't at, laugh, don't laugh. At least, there's, at least there's a there's a physical element to how things are going. Why did you say gotten that bad? Where you guys miss Fellaini? I was yelling about this last season. The plan B when Ibrahimovic was there was always just pump it to the back post and let Ibra win the ball, and then we'll try and get a knockdown. And that's Mourinho's plan B when Fellaini's around. Worst come to worst, we can just knock it far post. Actually, I will knock it far post. Fellaini will win the ball with his chest. And then we'll see if Martial can be in around and kick it. I think it says a lot that those goals came from a Lindelof mistake. And you bear in mind that Mourinho spent two year, months disappearing Lindelof. So maybe his confidence is where it is. The jury's still out whether or not he's good enough. What's, what's shocking with the Lindelof thing is name me two center halves that Mourinho has made worse or hasn't made better. If, if, if you look at his kind of lineage of center backs, he rarely ever misses on them. So if, if Lindelof can't function in this system, that's a major indictment on him if you look at Mourinho's past history. But go ahead. Yeah. Uh, you, you know, I was just thinking he turned, somehow Jose Mourinho made a back line of Marcos Rojo look great last season. And as Hopus just said, Manchester United missed Phil Jones, which isn't a thing we thought possible. <laughs> Phil Jones, Fellaini... 
<laughs> yeah. Like, like Mourinho has his men, and those men that will run through a brick wall for Mourinho play very, very well. Yeah. But the guys who Mourinho ostracizes and, and yells at, uh, the, the problem with the siege mentality Jose has was when he first came to Chelsea, the siege mentality applied to the entire club. So he would never ostracize someone publicly. After, you know, the comments that he made about Ander Herrera were weird. Like Herrera said, yeah, we play quite poorly and we had a bad attitude. And Mourinho said, this was the worst performance of Manchester United. This was worse than a friendly. And I'm absolutely shocked at the comments Ander Herrera made. And you're, like, you're thinking... In your first spell at Chelsea, you would not have said, I'm shocked at Andy Herrera's comments. You would just let him get on with it. Before the Benfica game, he doesn't think he's going to spend all his career at Manchester United. And like he leaked something to the press involving possibly taking the PSG job. And he was talking about how he wants a pay rise because he won the Europa League last season. And then that, all of a sudden, his players can't play on Saturday. Like There's a connection here. I don't particularly like Mourinho at Manchester United because I don't get the impression that Mourinho cares about anything at Manchester United other than himself. Hmm. that causes problems because it, it causes problems with your with your with your star players because if they don't play well you're going to throw them on a bus it causes problems with your fringe players because those fringe players can't come in and do well because they're constantly worried so if you look at Herrera's performance Fellaini's injured and Herrera's getting the game time that we all think he'd get but he's looking absolutely he's looking like a deer in headlights he's not playing well he's 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 trying to force the issue he's uh, very positionally poor he, he keeps trying to make interceptions and leaving gaping holes in midfield that are, you know, a well-drilled side like Huddersfield took advantage of. Mm. Just call quick, were you on this Herrera over Kante thing? You weren't, were you? No, no, you, no, you, no, no, no. Okay, Kante you were one of those United fans. What, what, that was a thing? <laughs> that was a thing. Yeah, sometime, I like Herrera. Sometime last season, a lot of United fans on, on Twitter were, you know, Herrera over Kante. I think that's died a quick death. One last thing um, on, on United not to kind of, you know, make you feel even worse. But, you know, I noticed something in the press conference that I think, well, I guess this kind of links to Chelsea in a way. When in 2015-16, in was it, the first half uh, where Chelsea had the bad run and they kept losing game after game after game, Mourinho would come out in the press conference and there'd always be a reason why. It's the referees, it's the opponent. It was, I don't know, what would Ty from Arsenal Fan TV say? The grass was too green, the sun was too bright, our <laughs> shirts were too blue, their shirts were too red, whatever it was. There would always be an excuse, right? And af- after the game, immediately after the game, in, in his first press conference, the one that the, that the television station does, he said it bluntly. He said that they were better, the best team won. And mm-hmm. I, I looked at that and I said, that's not something he would have said at Chelsea, at least not after one loss. Maybe if you got down the line and he was more frustrated, he would have said the best team won. But that's not normally something he says. And I was like, maybe he's learning or he learned something from that Chelsea experience to just give the team that one credit and move on. But then you have the Herrera situation. And I think, I feel as if there was something lost in translation. I mean, obviously Mourinho, he has a decent command of English, but I was thinking maybe he he meant something that people are taking different. And I, I would have to listen to his his post-mass press conference they like the official one where he sits down in the chair and the reporter's asking questions again but I feel like he's he mentioned Herrera's conference and he was like maybe the players should come and do this part so I don't have to answer for them playing without the passion so I don't know it, it felt as if in one in one instance he'd learned something from previous mistakes from previous defeats but then he kind of fell back into the trap 
Um, mm. And I don't know, but I, I I have to research it again. But it just in that one instance, I was like, oh, he's learned. <laughs> I wish he would have learned that in 2015. Speaking of 2015, Ooh. oh, do you have a last point? Mm. No, no, no. I, I I was simply saying it's going to be interesting to see what happens when Spurs play Man United next week. I think I think Spurs are in a bathroom. And it's going to be interesting to see how many no, reacts to that. Have some faith in your team, bro. On call, man. Expect of the goats. So, uh, speaking of 2015, uh, Chelsea had a bad season. Or no, Chelsea won the league. Then they start bad, and then the manager gets sacked. And Chelsea won the league with Conte last season. Started uh, started better this season, but then, well, no, nah, actually, we lost to Burnley, didn't we? Now that I think about it. So, yeah, it's it's been kind of one of those years. Lose to Man City, lose to Crystal Palace, up 2-0 against Roma. Game finishes 3-3. So now we have this must-win Watford game. And Pedro scores. Fabregas should have scored. He tried to chip Gomez for whatever reason. Um, that didn't work. Um, and then Decore scores right before halftime, like last kick, 1-1, and I'm like, oh, here we go again. You know, Richarlison had one, like he, that was a Torres against Manchester United S miss. He, that, Richarlison that, that, is phenomenal. He's a late, I think he's going to be a, a, a real player to watch come the World Cup, providing he stays fit. I think he's going to, I think he's going to make the plane and I think he's going to be, he's going to have a big hmm. coming out moment. At the World Cup. That would be amazing for Watford if they could get him up into like the 30, 40, 50 million range and they can get a player and then Silva can retool the squad that way. But he had two great chances in that game. One to put them up 2-1 and then another one to put them up 3-1. Um, and it, and it, especially that header. If he scores that header, I think it changes the narrative on him. And he becomes one of those, oh, we have another breakout Brazilian stars. He kind of gets into positions that Gabriel Jesus did in that game. But mm. Gabriel... Gabriel Jesus always scores, <laughs> but he didn't. It, it's it's um, Jesus, by the way. Jesus, Jesus, his Jesus. Jesus. What did I say? Jesus. Yeah. Well, is Jesus is Spanish? Is Jesus Portuguese? Then. Portuguese, yeah. Yeah. So yeah, we're we're down two one, and <laughs> Conte decides to bring on Bashuai, and I'm like, oh god. <laughs> As I, am I the biggest Bashuai defender on Twitter? I I might be. At at least I'm the biggest one I know. And uh, I was like, oh, God, because if he has a bad game here, I think that's his Chelsea game. That's his Chelsea career in the toilet um, just because of what the stadium would have done. Um, and then he scores a, a drug by Esketer and Aspilicueta scores, then he scores again. So I think Chelsea avoided catastrophe um, in those last 20 minutes of the game. Um, I don't, I'm, I'm still not trusting what I'm seeing, though, even like with the last kind of, you know, we, sh- we showed fight, we showed passion, all that kind of stuff. I'm still kind of wary of what's going on with the, with the team at the moment. Despite the win, there is talk in the Sunday papers about Conte not fearing being sacked. You do look vulnerable. You, are, you aren't you are lucky with the amount of injuries you have right now. And I think Kante is a big miss. Mm. Back and... to Yoko, by the way. One half of me wants to be like, yo, this guy, he's, he's not as good as I thought he was when he, he played against Tottenham for a whole 90 minutes and he looked decent. And I was like, oh, if, if this is what we get when he doesn't have a preseason and he's coming off an injury, then we have a great play on our hands. But, but then the, another part of me is like, I don't want to slate him too much because of he's those. Yeah, th- there's just he had, he had no preseason. He's having to run around for Fabregas. Mm-hmm. Um, used to playing with Kante. Uh, you know what? It's it's lazy. La- uh, tired bodies make lazy decisions. 
and you and, and, and you can tell when he's tired, his passing gets a bit wayward. He starts making a, a few mental mistakes. Um, and it's happened late in games a lot. I've, I've noticed against Tottenham, he gave away um, the free kick that Beshawai scored the own goal with. That was him just mm-hmm. pulling back Ali or Erickson, whoever it was. So I'm noticing when he gets tired, like 70s, 80s, those bad decisions start coming, and it's just fitness. Now, this and is the problem. You, you, This puts further greater scrutiny from Oxley chamberlain and Russ Barkley. Like, why couldn't those deals be sorted out? Because you, you are crying out for someone to take that burden in the middle. Because mm-hmm. Bakayoko shouldn't have been playing, should not be playing football until November. That knee injury had him out until November, and now he's playing 90 minutes of football, and it's no surprise he looks knackered. Ironically, it was you it know? was either going to be him or Drinkwater, and I guess Drinkwater's injury was a bit more severe. I, you know what? Actually, I remember um, seeing something. I don't. This is probably speculation, but um, there was a story before the Tottenham match that Drogba, because uh, Bakayoko's Ivorian, so it was obviously Drogba, and Drogba called Bakayoko and said, this Tottenham game's big. If give the manager what he needs or give the team what it needs. So he played that 90 minutes. Maybe if that phone call doesn't happen, they take a different route with his fitness, but then he proved that he could play 90 minutes. So what I heard uh, from the guys of London is uh, Ox was going to do the Chelsea deal. He calls up. Uh, he has a phone call with Conte. But the conversation Conte had with Oxay chamberlain said, I can't guarantee you're going to start games in centre midfield. You probably might play some games as win-back cover. And then Oxay chamberlain goes to Liverpool. And then the Chelsea board takes the decision that Conte can't, or the deal is done. So during Barkley's thing, Barkley tries to call Conte. Conte can't speak to Barkley. Barkley's on the impression that Conte doesn't want him and therefore leaves. Mm. And it's a real... I don't think he's ever going to get over the fact that he didn't get Lorente. He seems really, really cut up by not getting Lorente. Um, <laughs> which is odd. I'm glad. I'm glad odd. he didn't get Lorente. And it's not odd because if I mentioned this when he signed, or or maybe not, obviously we weren't doing the podcast at that point, but he was signed as the head coach. He wasn't signed as the manager, which true. has different connotations. The manager has a little bit more control over transfers, contracts, that kind of thing. And I think Chelsea, after the, after the second Mourinho debacle, weren't willing to give their manager or give their coach managerial kind of uh, proxy over the club in that way. So they make him a head coach. He wins the league, and he feels as if now he's entitled to make a few more decisions. And there's a battle going on between him, Emanalo, and Granovskia, who's basically Roman's right-hand woman who makes the decisions on how much money the club can spend, et cetera, et cetera. So there's this, there's this kind of internal struggle going on between the coach and the board. And that's that's why we're seeing the Conte wants to go to Italy, this, that, and the third. It's just, it's a mess. For me, I don't, I don't think Conte will, will be around for um, the whole season. I think there are a lot of deep issues there. Like, they escaped with a win in, 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 that, in that game against Watford. And it's like, it goes back to the summer. It goes back to the summer. They needed Gentlemen. more reinforcements. Um, Gary Cahill is crap. He's a crap <laughs> defender. That's back three. And I, and I said this last season, that's like, how do you have a back three that includes Louise and Cahill and you're not getting exposed? I don't, I don't get it. And you saw them really getting stretched and exposed towards the end of last season. But now what you're seeing are teams are now really figuring out how to really stretch them and really try to expose the, deficient, the defensive deficiencies of Cahill and Louise. Mm. Luis is a bloody good football player. He's a defensive midfielder. Everybody knows that he is 
No, he's a not. defensive midfielder. No. He's he's not a, an accomplished proper central defender. Nope. I think his first spell at Chelsea, he was not. Uh, I think he learned a lot from his spell at Paris Saint Germain on the Thiago Silva. Given the right personnel, he can be a very he can be a great centre back. He very much understands. Great. The, yeah, I think he's he's one of the better centre backs in the Premier League. Make of that what you will. That's probably a slight upon the Premier League in your books, but I think. Of the top of, of the centre backs that play for top four teams, I think centre backs that are better than him are the yeah the Tottenham Hotspur ones and Eric Bai. I think that's about it. No, no, no. I mean Eric Eric Bai, Fetongen, Aldo Verold. Um, that's basically what Carter said. But go ahead. <laughs> I, I hate it when he does. To that. be honest, man. I hate it to when he does. To be honest, that. you may be shocked to 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 say it, but it just automatically can be a bit crazy. No, 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 This is this is blasphemous. You're not gonna put Otamendi over the weeks. I don't care. Give me Otamendi. Let me just give him his um, sleeping pills and and and, and, and some drugs and just calm him down. I'll I'll, I'll take Otamendi over Louise. Anything you can use to to denigrate David Louise, you can use the exact same argument to denigrate Jerome Boateng because they're very similar players in terms of what? play style. In terms You're of play style, Louis the same as Boateng? Yeah. What? <laughs> Come on, no, Carl. That, Carl. That is madness. You bear are, in mind. Bear in mind. Bear in mind. You're crazy to say that. Listen to me. So, in Pep Confidential, which is the book that details Pep Guardiola's first season at Bayern Munich, Pep gets to Bayern Munich and talks to Jerome Boateng, and he's going, "What are you doing?" Jerome's going, "What do you mean?" He goes, "Why are you defending like that?" And he's like, "What do you mean?" He goes, "Why aren't you talking to your other centre back?" Jerome Boateng. Is going, what are you talking about? Pep Guardiola goes, how do you think the back line is sorted out? He goes, oh, I just assume that happens naturally. He goes, so you don't talk to your fullback and your centre-back when you create one? He goes, no, I don't. If it if I make a mistake, I just run back and sort it out. Jerome Boateng won the Champions League and a World Cup before he realised he had to talk to the other centre-back to organise a defensive line. Jerome Boateng is just as culpable to brain farts as David Luiz. It's just David Luiz has big bouncy hair and you, you know, you see him every single week because he plays in the Premier League. Pep Guardiola... Wait, 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 what the hell does that mean? I mean, yeah. okay, so therefore that's an example of you putting him on the same level as bloody Luiz? No, listen to this what dude, I'm saying. Listen to what I'm saying. What, in terms what I'm of... saying was arguably man of the match in a World Cup final. Luiz can only dream of being at that level. <laughs> He could only dream of attaining those those heights. This dude literally kept Lionel Messi, the great Messi, the goats, the greatest of all time. He kept him in his pocket. I'm yeah, sorry, no, 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 Carl, just admit it you're is. wrong. Admit you're wrong, and let's just move on. That's 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 the best thing to do. Uh, no, 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 no. I mean, so basically, like, just rounding up my whole Chelsea thing is that basically, like, look, say what you will, man. Say what you will. We don't know what happened between these two people. We don't know what beef happened. Diego Costa will be possibly Chelsea's biggest miss this season. That's just a fact. You can say what you will, that he was this, he was that. The way he, he went away was bad. Whatever happened with him and Conte, Chelsea this season, won't, when it's all said and done and they don't win the Premier League, they will look back and say, man, if we had Diego Costa, we could have won a whole lot of points with Diego Costa in our team. I'm surprised as someone who rates Morata as highly as you do that you're saying that about Costa. And No, no, no. And, and the reason is this is that, look, Morata, he's actually proud. He's slightly done better than what I think he would have done. I was doing that this guy was a, a baller, but he's actually done probably a bit better than I think he would have done. But then the day, this is still his first season in a new league. 
Diego Costa has had multiple seasons in the Premier League and really understands how to operate with the, the defenders, understand their, their weak points. Morata still has many other defenders to face for the first time. Costa, he knows how to back into to a guy. He knows how to lay the ball off. He knows how to um, take hold of a defender and when to make the, the turn into a shot. These are all little things that you learn by consistently playing because you just it's like the human brain. You just soak up all of this stuff and then you then are not able to really operate that. Okay, I know the central defender. I know his strengths. I know his weak weaknesses. Plus, you're actually a very good striker as well. <laughs> you know, you're actually a very good lone striker targets man. So it's going to be a miss. All right, so let's 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 move this on to Everton. Ars- Yo, just quick, Arsenal. We give them a lot of stick on this podcast. I won't make any apologies about that. But when they play well, we have to give them their due. You know, and they played exceptionally well um, on on Sunday. Be- it could have been eight G's, man. I mean, Meza Ozil played. Fantastic! Very well. They of Everton pieces. You, you, you know, you know. Actually, going back to to our United discussion, you say Mourinho doesn't coach um, offense, right? And you, you don't say it. Everyone says it. Technically, who watches football to a certain level, but you know what? I feel like if you put Ozil in that team, which is a rumor that's going on about January or next summer, he could be a kind of point guard or offensive coordinator, if you will, for um, Manchester United. A kind of how would I how would I, how would I describe it? Someone who knows what's going to happen before it happens, so he just does it. You know what I mean? Like if if you put Ozil in that team and, and put Mkhitaryan wide, say, um, mm-hmm. like he did yep. for Dortmund, then that would be something that Lukaku would really enjoy. Something that Martial and Rashford would really enjoy. So if they if they could get a hold of the Meza Ozil that we saw play against Everton, that would be an exceptional dynamic that I think Mourinho could add to his team, and and they could get him really cheap considering as well. So. But yeah, he played. He played fantastic. The first time we see Sanchez, Ozil, and Lacazette play together, who would have thought that it works? I mean, everyone. But who have thought it would take that long to see him? Goodness, it's October. I mean, injuries, they're juggling competitions, the mentality of players who want to go, who want to stay, maybe. But it's weird that it took to October to finally see that. But Everton, <laughs> I mean, it's it's it started great. You know, uh, Wayne Rooney it got did. his obligatory goal against Arsenal and I was like, all right, you know, this might be good. But no. <laughs> Just no, they 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 turned to, to and then Komen today got sacked. I'm glad you got sacked today, Ronald. Um instead of tomorrow. So we could kind of talk about this. Um how much Seriously, money so you're glad that he was sacked so we could actually talk talk talk, talk about his demise. Yeah, I mean yeah, I mean if you're gonna get sacked, get sacked on a Monday. That's my rule. Um <laughs> I was. I'm trying to think. How much money did they spend? 140 million. Buck 40. 40 on Sigurdsson. However much on Rooney. I know it was Lukaku involved, but Klassen mm-hmm. was on the bench. Sandro and Vlasic. Michael Keane as well. They're a great team on paper. Like on FIFA. No, they're not. They are, aren't they? Though, like you have Barkley in the team. If you felt like playing him, you have a good defender in Keane. You bought Pickford for 30 million. You have. Arguably the best playmaker in the lower half in in Sigurdsson last season. You can have whatever's left of Wayne Rooney. They are they horrible. Wayne Rooney. <laughs> They've got four number tens. So Ian Holloway, former Blackpool, former Crystal Palace QPR manager, once said, "You can have four people carry a piano up a flight of stairs, but once it gets to the living room, only one person is going to be able to play it." Four. You've got four not pacey. Number tens, 
So Sigerson, yeah, he can whip in set pieces, and yeah, he can take a good cross, and yeah, he can do a couple of passes. But he, you know, I, you know, I said before I'd love to see Sigerson at Everton, but Sigerson is not the. He's not. I love Sigerson. He's not worth forty-five million. He's not going to be the forty-five million step up you need to take you to the next level that Everton needed. You bought Sandro and you got Rooney. Neither one of those guys are look capable of replacing the goals that Lukaku scored. But Lassie is injured and you knew he wasn't going to come back until December. So you needed a winger. They didn't. Seamus Coleman is injured at right back. So they need to cover right back and they didn't play him. Who else have you got? Morgan Schneiderlin as your six. Again, not particularly mobile. Can't, doesn't particularly, you know, isn't particularly pacey. The defense is old as well. Keen is all right, but again, not particularly fast. Ashley Williams looks knackered. Like, Jagielka, Baines. Like, he's old. And then there's also the fact that he paid something like, he missed maybe 15 minutes of Swansea's entire Premier League run. Mm. So up until Swansea sold Ashley Williams to Everton, Ashley Williams missed maybe 15 minutes of Swansea's entire time. So that's maybe, what, six seasons? Like, Ashley Williams has played a phenomenal amount of football. And now he looks knackered. Miles on the clock? Are you going to say it? There's a lot of miles on the clock. There's <laughs> a lot of miles on the clock. And now you've got now you've got Wayne Rooney, who, as a Man United fan, you know his his problems are documented. And not only do you have Wayne Rooney clogging up things in the middle of your pitch, you also have Wayne Rooney, the influence in the changing room. Uh, so like Evan, are they've bought four versions of the same player? They're incredibly <laughs> devoid of pace. They've been ransacked by injuries. Rona Koeman was, not even was, Rona Koeman is a defensive manager who doesn't put a lot of prevalence on wide players. So this is why when people said Memphis Depay would be a great fit for Everton, I was going, absolutely not, absolutely not. I think once again, the the people who have been proven right are Southampton fans who have gone, yeah, you can have him. Uh, we've seen this, I don't know what juju they've got at Southampton, but they keep seeming to sell stuff to other members of the Premier League and they seem to be laughing to themselves going which player is this? so what they've got rid of Koeman they got rid of so let's look at so there's Koeman there's Shaw there's Klein there's Font there's Lovren there's there's Schneiderlin there have been at least five departures from Southampton where Southampton fans have gone I cannot believe you've managed we've managed to get that much money for that guy so basically, basically, the only don't is it Lalana might be the only one that we can say yeah that worked. Lalana and Wanyama are the only verified successes. Money, yes, money. money as well. So. Money, that's a that's a that's an A star. Did yo? Did you guys um, see the the Buffal goal? Yeah, yeah, it was great. Crazy, oh, we also have to crazy, talk about, crazy. Um, Buffal. In terms of uh, managers that have departed, Craig Shakespeare has left Leicester since. You last recorded as well. Billich is out. Billich looks out. So there's possibly a spot where, you know, maybe come the end of November, West Ham, Everton, and Leicester are all looking for managers. Who would you have go to West Ham? Who would you have go to Everton? Who would you have go to Leicester? And who would you have go to Stoke? And who would you have go to Southampton? <laughs> so that's five clubs, five clubs, five managers. Go. The return of Moyes, man. The return of Moyes, no, man. respect. Absolutely not. Where absolutely else? Not. Where else? David Moyes should never ever, should never manage in the Premier League ever again. <laughs> he's, he's, ever, ever, ever. He's, All right. Uh, he's Laura, useless. Laura Blanc to Leicester. 
Okay. <laughs> no, no reason. You, no reason. I, I actually despise Lauren Block, but I just know he's a free manager. Um, Allardyce would go to Stoke, um, but you know he's retired allegedly. Um, who else? Who's who's available? Uh, Roberto Mancini has been linked to the Leicester job. Sean Dyke has been linked to the Everton job. Um, Why would Dyke leave Burnley? And Ancelotti Mane- doesn't have have a job at the moment. Ancelotti's not going to any of those clubs. Like, don't disrespect a legend. Tuchel, he's too good. Why? Why would you do that? Like, it's not like you're Marco Silva and need to prove yourself from Olympiacos into the Premier League. Like, you've, you're proven at Dortmund. You're proven at Milan. At Chelsea. Like, why would Ancelotti or Tuchel ever go there? It doesn't make any sense. It would have to be like one of these English people that they always get. Like, where's Neil Warnock? Why are there never any black people in these discussions? Because we don't have the Rooney Rule. And <laughs> Jimmy Where's, Floyd is not was, quite Jimmy Floyd has back time yet. Seedorf doesn't have a, a job. Seedorf is not a good manager. Why do you What's keep picking there? Michael Landro for jobs? He says Landro every time. Two strikers <laughs> and Michael Landro. <laughs> Oh no, I, I don't care what it says. I'm still sticking with my strike partnership. Two strikers. I'm, two strikers. I'm, I'm, I'm starting a GoFundMe page for two oh, strikers. God, man. Two strikers, Michael Laudrup, and you need a World Cup medal. Those are have hopes three things. Jesus, man. But oh, why not? If he, he, he did okay at Swansea, maybe he deserves a job. I don't know. Unless there's maybe like number twos that we need to consider. Like where who's the number two at Bayern, for instance? Like what like what um Swansea did with Paul Clement. So maybe I'm not thinking of any of those, but like like when's uh Rui Faria gonna get a job? Like he's gonna be Jose's assistant forever. Oh no 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 he's never gonna take his senior job. He's literally tied to the like Siamese twins. Though. Ryan Giggs is available. <laughs> Anyone listening to this podcast, here's something I really wanna point out to you. When Swansea needed a new manager. They had a series of interviews. So something about Swansea. They're very, very well run. Swansea and Southampton are maybe the only two clubs in the Premier League that scout managers. Um, so they scout managers like you would scout a player. It's very surprising that Swansea and Southampton are the only two clubs that openly do it. Um, so when they were scouting, they, they had a... Um, so the reason why Bob Bradley became Swansea manager wasn't necessarily because of his expertise as the United States men's team it's when during the interview they asked Bob Bradley um how would you what would you do to Swansea we're going to be in a relegation fight and how would you how would you take this team forward and Bob Bradley came up with a 30 point powerpoint plan he had an, he had a full scouting report on Arsenal which was their next scheduled game and he goes Arsenal like this 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 and this and this this is how I combat them using your personnel I tell Carl Norton to do this I'll tell Leroy Furt to do this I'll tell uh Lorente to do this, bang, 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 bang. And Swansea went, fantastic. That is great. That is a very well-researched thing. You've got uh, a plan for how we're going to play away. You've got a plan for how we're going to play at home. You've got a plan for how we take on a big team. You've got a plan for how we take on a little team. And yeah, it didn't quite work out. Unfortunately, people didn't necessarily trust someone with an American accent to manage a Premier League team. When Ryan Giggs came to the interview, and they went to Ryan Giggs, we're in a relegation fight. How would you make the Swansea players get ready for it? Ryan Giggs responded, I would tell them to run harder. <laughs> the most British of responses? That is what he said. Run hard, work hard. 
That is what he said. I would tell them to run harder. Get rid, Bob, get rid, get rid. <laughs> Bob Bradley came with a 30-page presentation as to how they take care of Arsenal. And Ryan Giggs went, I'll just tell them to run harder. <laughs> uh, FIFA have just released their awards for this year. Um, and Cristiano Ronaldo has won the FIFA Award for Player of the Year. The oh, Men's Player of the Year. Oh, yawn. Um, so... So you remember in around 2012, FIFA collaborated with French Football Writers Association to make the FIFA Ballon d'Or, and then they split up again two seasons ago. So now you've got the Ballon d'Or, which is now the Football Writers Award, and now you've got the FIFA Men's Football Award. And that award has now been won by Cristiano Ronaldo. Um, and the award for the Women's Football Award is Elike Martens, which is uh, yeah, she, football she, player. she played really well at the Women's Euros. She was fantastic. Uh, Priya Ramesh, who has been on this podcast before, is a big fan. She was the player of the year, uh, player of the tournament of the Euros. She is a Neymar-esque uh, forward, so like not quite winger, not quite out-and-out forward. Uh, the FIFA World Eleven, ready for this gentleman? Yo, I forgot about the questions, bro. Uh, so according to the, the FIFA FIFA Pro World Eleven for this year is uh, Buffon as your goalkeeper, Dani Alves as right back, Sergio Ramos and Bonucci are your centre-backs, Marcello is your left back, uh, your midfield three is Luka Modric, Tony Cruz and uh, Andres Iniesta and your front three is Lionel Messi, Cristiano Ronaldo and Neymar. Thoughts? What was the midfield again? Your middle three is Luka Modric, Tony Cruz and Andres Iniesta. Hmm. I mean, I can't, I can't argue oh. with it. I mean, Iniesta seems a bit of a reach. Buffon no, seems a bit you, of a what, reach. What the hell should Iniesta be in any, any team? Who would you have for instead of Iniesta, Hope? In no, your middle three. Like Iniesta to Clarence. I'll put it on Mbappe. Mbappe. Mbappe in your middle three. Oh, middle three. Oh. Um... Kante, man. Let's be Kante. Kante. Yeah, of course. So, so, so they didn't put Kante? Of course you no, put Kante with Iniesta. You see, I told you, that's why I don't like these flipping awards. I don't give a damn about these awards. These awards are a part of crap. Because all this <laughs> is, is, this is you're trying to replicate like the Oscars and you're trying to, you're, 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 you're trying to mess with me. Excuse me while I just rant for, for a minute here. Football is real. Football isn't the Oscars. Football aren't the, the Grammys. What happens is what you do in that Champions League final. What happens are those big titles. What really happens is the World Cup. That is where heroes are made. So all this crap about, oh, best of all, who's going to win the best of all? Oh, my gosh, he's won five in a row. He's won six in a row. No, because this is man-made. This is chosen by people. This is corrupt. You cannot <laughs> corrupt a World Cup. You have to go into the field and you've got to deserve it. That's why they tried their, their hardest to give a trophy to Lionel Messi. They tried their hardest because they wanted it to be part of the narrative. But it doesn't work like that. In the World Cup, you have to go out there and beat Germany. You have to go, to go out there and, and beat Brazil. So, sorry. Thank you very much. I told you nice and pretty with your nice pretty suits. Get out of my sight. It goes down next June. Let's hope Nigeria has a favorable group. <laughs> he said you can't corrupt the World Cup. I'm pretty sure you can. You can definitely corrupt the World Cup. Uh, Olivier Drew won the Puskas Award for the goal of the season for a scorpion kick. Well deserved. Deserved, deserved, deserved. Very deserved, deserved. 
So let's let's quickly run through the questions we haven't touched yet. Um, will United's injuries end up costing them the title, or does it not yes. make a difference considering how good City are from Boris yes. Mason? It's both. Um, City have already won the, the league. They've already won the league, so there's, there's, there's no point in even playing. So uh, Bruce Messi uh, asks, are England fans deluded? Yes. Because after a win, now Spurs are favorites to chase Man City over Man United and Arsenal. There aren't any commas here, so I'm trying to decipher what this guy means. Um, are England fans deluded? Question mark. Because after a win, now Spurs are favorites to chase Man City over Manchester United, and Arsenal played like 2010 Spain team. So those are no, two different points. United are that still is ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> Why? What he said, did he say? He said Arsenal played like 2010 Spain. <laughs> no, they did not. Ah, uh, Harry Bontalier. How happy are you that Coleman was sacked today instead of tomorrow? Everton very kindly <laughs> doing things to your schedule. You know what? It was either we play an Everton side that has to – well, this is Chelsea in, in the Carabao Cup. We'll just call it the League Cup. It was either they were going to play a, a team that had to play for their manager in air quotes or a team that gets um, the kind of motivation after the, after the manager gets sacked. So it wasn't good either way. I, I would have rathered Coleman stayed, though. Um, and there's been more pressure on on the team to perform, but now I get the I guess that won't that won't exist. Now that Coleman has been sacked from Packed Mouse, where does that leave the number of managers that Wink <laughs> that Wink has put out of a job? X plus one would be the answer. Right? Yeah, one more than it was last week. <laughs> yeah. Wasaf Raja asked, "Your team of the year? Um, this is the calendar year. The calendar year." I, I can't see a go in goal anyone else than De Gea still. Oh, and an actual team? Well, I, th I, th I thought we could just say Real Madrid. Fine, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, our, our team of the year is Real Madrid, 100%. Um, <laughs> Sam Bradley asks, goalies and defenders aside, which player could not score for the next five years and still be considered a great? A referee. <laughs> Kante? He's essentially asking about the the which players, which defensive center school goals. So, Casemiro who, who is the next Perlo. Um, you know, Modric. Well, Modric, he doesn't have to score. You could just be him. And so, for the next five years, he could just dictate midfield, get assists, control the game that way. Like, I think there are a lot of players that could not score. If if they're forwards, like if Messi doesn't score for five years, then. The world has ended somehow, but I think there are a few players that, that can have that distinction. Football God asks a <laughs> propaganda question. Talk to me about Isco and Asensio being selfish and not passing to Ronaldo when he makes great runs. They do this on a regular basis. I'll admit I don't watch enough Real Madrid to have any comment on this. I would assume it's what you get, though. Like, Ronaldo's not going to pass the ball back to you, is he? So... <laughs> If I feel like I can score, I'm going to shoot myself. Like, why am I going to give it to him? He scores enough. Maybe that's it. I don't know. Why does it matter? This as well. <laughs> All right. So uh, what was the thing I wanted to talk about at the beginning? Angie Luco. The, the, the findings came out and apparently, well, not apparently, it's been proven, I guess, in the court of law, that what happened was indeed racist. And she, she, she's been justified. So, like, do you guys have any thoughts on this? Or have we already talked look, enough about if, it? If you look at the guy's face, he was racist. As soon as I saw a picture of him, I was like... <laughs> you can't do that to people. That's, no, 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 look, I mean, people say I'm wrong, but I've lived enough. 
and long enough to know a racist when I see one. And when I saw his face and I saw his expression, that's the first thing. Second thing is the second thing is this is that when he did his interview, when um, Aluko, who actually who made this sort of suggestions, when he actually tried to, when the FBI tried to control the reporters who were allowed to interview him, then I said something was up. So if you've got nothing to hide, why are you picking and choosing the kind of reporters you want to speak to, and not allowing certain reporters to come and 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 speak to you? Then I was like, you know what, something is, is truly up. And it, it, there, was just a, there was just a very weird sense of how the effort were trying to control this. And it's now all blown up in their face. And I just think that it's really made, it's, it's made the FA look really bad. But the worst thing is that no one is really going to suffer for it, really. Because the fact of the matter is that in for football, racism isn't taken that seriously. All this crap about kick it out, all this crap about what's it called? The the Roma fans doing monkey chants to um Rudiger because he was a thing because I even heard it when I was watching them the, the game. And what's there, they're gonna be fined. Oh yay. It's like look, give me a break. It's like it's it's insulting to me as a Nigerian that UEFA and and um the FA and FIFA they are so soft-handed towards racism and this whole Aloko episode what this lady had to go through, the embarrassment she had to live through, or first of all, actually receiving the, the kind of vitriol she had, even from that flipping clown, David James. Yeah, and then just, <laughs> as, just, uh, just been as Stormzy what's it called? Stormzy, Stormzy made that man delete his Stormzy. tweets, bro. Shout out Stormzy. Where's, where's David James, the absolute chief? His, his, his emotions is how I feel. Stormzy's emotions is like, I totally get his emotions because he was like, look, man, I can't hold it in. You guys all thought she was telling a lie. She was playing the race card, and she actually was right. So Stone's like, "Look, man, I'm gonna let it all out because wow, 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 wow." Do you know what? So, you know, what? actually, I, I remember when when the story came out. Have hope you and I had a little discussion on it, and I, I guess I might need to apologize in a way because we had this maybe twenty minute. It, maybe it wasn't twenty minutes. It might have been like ten or fifteen. About like if you take hush money, how 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 aggrieved were you? But the facts came out that she would have had to sign a waiver that says the FA weren't racist, essentially, in order to get the money that she was promised or, or the money that was being offered to her. So she didn't. She she never took any hush money, mm. like or the the hush money that was offered. She would have had to sign something that says, "Yo, the FA isn't racist." But if you sign it, isn't that confirming? Or even if they make the document, isn't that confirming that they do think that they are racist? No, no, that's what. That's the whole point of harsh. It's 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 a feature, not a bug of English institutions that they. Uh, so the report said Mark Sampson behaved in a racist manner. The report, I found it very interesting that the report agreed that Mark Sampson behaved in a racially discriminatory manner towards Annie Luco and Drew Spence. The report agreed with Annie Luco's statement that if she was not black. He, Mark Sampson would not have ostracized and treated her in that manner. Uh, but the report also said they did not believe Mark Sampson was racist, which I found very indicative of how the United Kingdom views race, in that in the United Kingdom, people in this country can be racist and do racist stuff, and yet they can do it four times, five times, six times, seven times, and yet the powers that be are still very reluctant to call those parties racist. Something that was particularly disturbing of the report was the manner in which the FA 
took to make Annie Luko look like a crazy black woman playing the race card. So mm. there was an incident within the case about how the FA had hired a black actress to play Annie Luko in a case study in front of England players. So essentially, the England players came down and sat down for like a talk about discrimination in the workforce. And then they were like shown a short play involving a black woman who was very clearly meant to be Enya Luko, who's acting like a crazed, hysterical black woman as a way of getting the England players to, to, to think Enya Luko, it was all in their head. Like, this was a very targeted... There, there was, was, was it in the Euros where someone scored a goal and then all the players ran to Mark yeah. Sampson and yeah. then celebrated? Was, was, was that before the skit or afterwards? No, that happened after the skit. So the skit happened, and then the England players, after they scored during the Euros, they all went to celebrate with Mark Sampson. They must uh, feel like real kids, you know. One would hope. One <laughs> would hope. Losers. No, 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 no. A, a bunch of losers. Especially what's, um, was it Jody Taylor, the Arsenal ladies player? She came out so confident. I've, I've never seen any racism. Da, da, da. How you feel now, yo? How you feel now? Uh... Uh, do you know what Annie Luko does in her spare time? She's a lawyer, so eat that. Oh, yeah. A football lawyer. <laughs> of all the players. You must, they the messed with the wrong one. So I said this uh, after the England players celebrated Mark Sampson. I said Annie Luko is probably feeling like Denzel Washington at the end of training day. <laughs> and uh, she delivered. You will all be in Pelican Bay. Shoe program. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, tra- training day is probably this is that's the that's our podcast movie. I think we reference that quite a lot. But yeah, man, I, I I felt I felt really proud of her in a way. Like I'm, I'm like it took a lot of guts. I mean, Troy Dini referenced Cajonas mm-hmm. in reference to Arsenal recently. Well, she showed ca- Cajonas if we want to put it like that. And did you see how brothers tweets the guy who plays for um Hall City? Oh yeah, yeah. I think it's I think he's a player for Reading by now. I think I think it's Hall now. Yeah. You know, um, yeah, man. Look, 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 look. It's 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 a great victory, man. It's a great victory. Something that also came out was during the 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 court case. So this was, you know, a lot of this discussion was had in the houses of parliament. The head of the FA he used the word fluff. N- let's put all of this was this or not racist fluff to one side, and he was pulled up on it, and he went, "Excuse me, what have you said?" And he goes, "Oh, I'm just trying to put this to one side for a moment," and then. The person who was doing the investigation says, no, you're not. Why do you think the racial element of what's going on can be put to one side? So Greg Clark said, let's put this racism <laughs> oh, nonsense to one Let's put this racism nonsense to one side. And he was going, what do you mean? Uh, and he goes, oh, he goes, you can't put that to one side. And if you look at the, you know, if you bring up the former case of racism with emails, Another FA representative in 2015, the top brass at FA was making comments about how women are uh, hysterical and un- incapable of making decisions. Like the, the FA is rotten. I mean, look. As an institution. This is, this is, this is the to English the core, FA. To the core. The English FA, even if you want to talk about football and performance and how much football is being played in this country, they're drastically underachieving considering how much money they have and how much they could be doing to promote the game. 
And then you want to get involved on in how much racist stuff they allow sliding, and how much homophobic stuff they allow going on, and how much anti-Semitism stuff they allow going on. Uh, Do you know what? Yeah, it's, it's blow it all up and start again. <laughs> Essentially, but yeah, it's it's. It, I don't I don't want to make this like man versus woman or thing, but people care a lot more about men's football than they do women's football. Unfortunately, or fortunately, how how however you see it, and even when Suarez came out and called uh, Patrice Ever whatever it was, or when John Terry basically abused Anton Ferdinand, nothing happened. Then it was on video. We saw it, and they still weren't capable of doing anything meaningful. So then, how yeah. how do we expect this body that that's in positions of power to do anything kind of worthy or respectful in Football this situation when they have the power to at least try and cover it up? Uh, as Annie Luco pointed out herself after this case was finished, there is no way in hell a England international with a hundred caps if it was a man. They thought they could get away with it because it was a woman. And even to this day, you've still got quite a lot of football fans. Well, not quite a lot. There is a percentage of football fans saying Mark Sampson should have kept his job because Mark Sampson got England, took England to new heights. But in short, big up any Aluko. You should I never. Mean, there, there are a lot of candidates for Hero of the Week, but Aluko's my Hero of the Week again. Villain, I guess. We'll, can we all disagree? It's the FA or yeah, Mark Sampson or some combination. No, yeah, so um, that's what's going to be. Yeah, it's true. Yeah. Um, villain, FA, Hero, Aluko. Can I just finish with one short story? You may. <laughs> it's a story I heard today involving Roy Keane when he was a manager of Sunderland. Um, so this is a, a small point about, to link it back with Klopp and how Klopp didn't exactly back Lovren after that game. Here's another story of a manager that doesn't back a player. So Roy Keane is the Sunderland manager and Craig Gordon is his goalkeeper. The Scottish international conceded a goal for Sunderland from a free kick. And Roy Keane is apoplectic, saying Craig Gordon should never have conceded a free kick from that situation. And to prove his point, then on Monday at training, Roy Keane went, look, give me the goalie gloves. I'll go in goal. And he goes, right then, something, guys. I'm going to be in goal. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be the goalie. You're all going to line up from the position that Craig Gordon conceded the free kick from. If any of you can score from that position... I will pay you a grand, but for every save I make, you have to pay me 100 quid. Roy Keane made eight saves. <laughs> and he never spoke to Craig Gordon again. How many times did he get scored on, though? None? None. So he, he made, made 800 pounds. Saves. He made 800 pounds, finished the exercise, <laughs> and he never spoke to Craig Gordon again. And that is why Roy Keane is a terrifying man. <laughs> Anybody who would have that beard, I'm not messing with. You know what I'm saying? Look, look, he's, he's the, 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 the guy has, has issues, man. Serious <laughs> issues, to put it, to put it kindly. Uh, recommended reads of the week. You got anything, Carl? Uh, Jonathan Liu has a point on Kevin De Bruyne's pass that he did before Sterling's goal against Stoke last week. Uh, and The Guardian also has a fantastic read on how De Bruyne has gone from being a skinny kid playing in Belgium to becoming a future world beer. So I've read two De Bruyne reads. Did you know Chelsea sold Kevin De Bruyne with three and a half years left on his contract? That was from a game. Marino's the GOAT. <laughs> you cannot tell me Jose Marino is the GOAT. He is. He's, he's, he's so, he has sold so much. He sold so many good players. Trouble 2010, 2010, 2010. All right, all right. Um, well, Pep's about to win another one, so... 
didn't what, what didn't Mourinho win a treble last year? Uh-huh. <laughs> 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 uh, yeah, but this this, this is like a podcast. We do this every Tuesday. Um, shout out again to uh, these football times for hosting us this week. Uh, much thanks, guys. Thanks, Carl. Where can the people find you? You can find me on Twitter at Anchorman six one six. No, I cannot make you verified. Have hope. Tell tell the people about the UFF UFF app before we get out of here and where people can find you. Yeah, man. Look, man. I'm I'm trying to earn some extra cash, man. I'm not a prostitute. Um. Whoa, whoa. Bas- sex work is work. UFF, man. <laughs> it's basically like <laughs> it's basically it's, it's basically like like an app, man. Um. Ultimate football fans. It's a combination of Arsenal fan TV, 100% Chelsea sports, XY football banter show, a whole various um, amalgamation of different football fan channels and world trying to come together under one umbrella, under one app to give you exclusive footballing content. We're very excited about what's in store there. You can you can catch the kid at the at the, at the main crack www.halfoffootballhot.com football just type it in on google you can find me everywhere on twitter at halfoffpot stay true stay black <laughs> i'm a dating look talking tactics podcast sometimes funny sometimes serious always football indeed we'll see you next week peace Podcast Network.